Aren't you glad you came to church? Amen, amen. Uh, we've been in a series called Which Way, and we've been talking about these different paths in life and how Proverbs will tell us that everything is a, a putting, on a, putting us on a path. And yet we tend to, in life, we tend to make individual and isolated decisions. And with our money, with our plans, with our, our, our family, we tend to make individual, isolated decisions. We just think, I'll just go here, I'll just click here, I'll just say this word and do this action. But Proverbs is going to tell us, no, every decision leads us to a destiny. Every practice puts us on a path. And it's going to say there's two primary paths in life. There's a, a path of wisdom but there's also a path of folly. And so as believers who follow God, and we want to practice wisdom in every sphere of life, with our family, with our plans, with our finances, with our words. And so we have to look at our decisions and look at our practices and see ultimately which path are we on, folly or wisdom. And today we're talking about the path of wisdom with our finances. I remember a few years ago, uh, I was watching the news in Arizona about the Milwaukee Marathon, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And the reason a Milwaukee Marathon made the news in Arizona is because after the marathon was over, they remeasured the race and it came up eight-tenths of a mile short of 26.2 miles. Now, that's devastating for just for people who want to complete the marathon, right? If you've ever run a marathon, you know, like, do you know the first marathon, the guy died? Maybe, side note, maybe you shouldn't run marathons. I don't know, right? But, but if you run a half marathon, you've run a marathon, you know all the, the striving, the stress, the blood, sweat, and tears, literally, that goes into that. Imagine getting to the end of that and thinking you have completed it, but, but being told it didn't add up to what you thought, it didn't count for what you thought. Now, I would have been out there running, let me get with that eight-tenths of a mile in. Right? You can't take this from me. But here's the kicker. A lot of people run to complete a marathon, but there's a few people who run to compete in a marathon. And those people, I was reading this in the news three years ago, four years ago, and those people were told by the Boston Marathon, a few people qualified in the Milwaukee Marathon for the Boston Marathon, and they were told, I'm so sorry, Good job, but it's a little bit short, and we can't accept that. Now imagine that devastation. After striving and straining so much that you competed in it, and you made the holy grail of marathons, the Boston Marathon, and yet you were told all that work, it doesn't count. It doesn't add up to what you thought. And here's the reality with money and finances, is that many of us are on a trajectory in life. We're striving. We're straining, we're stressing to build up that retirement, to, to make sure we get on Bitcoin or the new Bitcoin that hasn't come out yet, right? To get that next house, to upgrade, to, to drive that car, to, to wear those clothes, and we're striving and we're straining and we're stressing for that, and many of us are on a trajectory to do that for the rest of our lives and yet get to the end of life, and everything gets remeasured by God, and we're told, hey, good job, hey, nice car, nice career, oh, impressive Roth IRA, but it doesn't add up to what you thought. It's a little bit short. 
It doesn't count, not in the way that you thought it did. And all that striving and all that straining and all that stress was for nothing. Here's why we're talking about money and finances in church today. I know it can make us uncomfortable, but here's why we're talking about it is we want to, the Bible wants to save you from that tragedy in your life. God wants to help you use your money, not your money use you, but you use your money for his glory, your joy, and the blessing of other people. That can be your trajectory after today as we look at his word. And so we're going to talk about what does that look like? And so I'm going to give you three points. We're going to go through a few verses. We're going to see what does it look like to, to use our money for God's glory, for our joy, and for the blessing of others so that it will count for eternity. So that's where we're headed. So if you have a Bible, head to the book of Proverbs. It's right in the middle of your Bible. Uh, you can flip with me. We're going to have it on the screen. I'd much prefer you to see it in your own Bible, though. So grab a Bible with me. If you're at home, we'd love for you to do that as well. Three points, several verses. Our first point, if you take notes, is this, that money isn't everything. Money isn't everything. We see that in Proverbs 8, so flip there with me. Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs 8, 10 through 11, it says this. It says, take my instruction instead of silver, in knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. Here's what this is saying. Wealth, great. Wisdom, better. Now, here's the impact when you know the context. The person who wrote this, the person who's saying this is King Solomon, the second son of King David, the third king of Israel, the wisest, the wealthiest person that ever lived. We see a little bit about his wealth in 2 Chronicles chapter 9. It says this, that, that Solomon's wealth made stone, or made, yeah, stone as common as gold, that Solomon was known to have thrones made of gold, shields made of gold, steps made of gold, that it was as common as stone. Now, in Phoenix, we have a lot of stone and rock. Imagine if your zero-scaped yard was all gold. That's how Solomon rolled. That was his life with money. And yet, that same Solomon says, wisdom is better than wealth. And that's not the only thing that we see is better than wealth. We see a lot of other things in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 22, verses 1 through 2. It says this. It says, A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. And favor is better than silver or gold. The rich and the poor, they meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. It says, A good name is better than gold, riches, wealth. Your name is your integrity, your reputation, the way you carry yourself publicly, but also privately. That, that ranks higher than wealth. Favor also ranks higher than wealth. Favor is the kindness you experience in relationship with God and with other people. That's better than wealth. And then it says, the Lord is the maker of everyone, rich and poor. That's your identity. Ultimately, everyone, no matter how much wealth they have or how little they have, they are a person made in the image of God. That's their ultimate identity, not what their bank account says, not what their status and career and position says. It is God saying, hey, you're a child of God. You're made in my image, that there are things like your name, favor, your identity 
that are greater than wealth. You know why? Because name, favor, and identity, those things are eternal. Money at its best is evaporating. So we need to see money rightly. Money isn't everything. We see money is fleeting. Proverbs 23, verses four through five says it this way. Do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. When your eyes light on it, it is gone. For suddenly it sprouts wings, flying like an eagle toward heaven. Now here's the reality. You don't need Proverbs to preach this to you. You don't need me to preach this to you. Life preaches this to you every single day, amen? How many of you got paid on the 15th and it's the 18th, and you're like, where'd all the money go? <laughs> Honey, some of y'all do that. Honey, don't blame your wife. Look at yourself. Don't elbow your spouse right now, right? Life preaches this to us. We don't even need Proverbs to preach this to us. How many Christmas bonuses and gift cards have you received? And then by February, we'd be like, what do we do with that bonus? <laughs> do you, I, that gift card, like, we spent it on that? And that thing ends up in a garage sale. I heard somebody say it this way, that garage sales are like confessions. <laughs> Isn't that great? It's just all your shame for everybody can see on your driveway. You're like, hey, I spent $200 on this, but will you take two, please? <laughs> right? And we, we see life preaches that, Money, not only is it everything, it is fleeting. It, it, it has wings and it just seems to fly away in life. And, and here's the reality. Because money is that way, it's fleeting. When you make it everything, it can make you crazy. Some of you have seen this in your life. You've seen this in other people's life. Proverbs tells us this in Proverbs chapter one. It says, there's a group of people that are lying in wait for blood to plunder someone's house, to rob somebody's house, that they are willing to kill for money and possessions. That's what money can do to you. And some of you may say, well, Tim, I'm not, I'm not gonna kill anybody for money or possessions. But how many times has money killed relationships in your life? the overwhelming stress of debt. How many times has that put a cloud over your marriage? How many times has, has money caused the devastating effects of divorce? The kids now have not one Christmas, but two Christmases, seeing different sides of the family for the rest of their life, splitting up money, going through all the paperwork, adding stress that shapes the rest of their life. Some of you, you, you've experienced this personally. You've been divorced. Your parents are divorced. And how many times do we see it? The root is, is money. And it killed that relationship. And now it's killing relationships and stressing relationships in the next generation. Right? We have this. Some of you have people that you don't talk to anymore because of a bad money decision. Some of you have people, and maybe it's even your spouse or your roommate right now because the rent or whatever the case may be or how much money was spent, and you guys, you talk to one another, but it's awkward. Anybody? Like, don't raise your hand, maybe. <laughs> we all have that in our lives, and it goes back to money. And so you might not be killing people for money, but it's killing your relationships because of the way you are handling it. You are seeing it as everything. You have made it as everything, and it's making you crazy. 
Here's the beauty of scripture. Here's the beauty of Proverbs. Here's the two different paths. That's the path of folly. There's also a path of wisdom. You don't have to go down that path of folly where money makes you crazy. Money doesn't have to be everything in your life. It can be edifying in your life and everybody's life around you. That's the path of wisdom. And that's the path God wants you to turn down. So if you're in a bad place with money, you're going down that path of folly. You do have some relationships that have been killed or are being killed by money. God brought you here today. It's not an accident. This is an appointment. God brought you here today to pivot, to turn. Scripture would say to repent from seeing money as everything and start to see it as edifying. So that's what we want to do. That leads us to our second point. Money isn't everything, but also money isn't evil. We see this in 1 Timothy 6, verse 10. It says this, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. The love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. Not money itself. That money can be like water. Money can be a tsunami, like you're reckless with money, it's made you crazy, you see it as everything, and it can be a tsunami. It can crush you and everybody around you. Money can also be like a rancid pond. Some of you guys, you're not, you're not like reckless with your money, you're just greedy and rigid with your money. You count every cent, you just make sure you keep it all, and you hoard it all. And what is that like? It's like a rancid pond. See, money is not meant to be like a tsunami that crushes everybody. Money is not meant to be like a a rancid pond. Money is meant to be like a life-giving river. It comes to you, it blesses you, but it also blesses other people through you. It keeps moving. Money isn't everything, but it's also not evil. It can be edifying in and through the life of the believer. Proverbs will consistently celebrate hard work, building wealth, Proverbs will also consistently rebuke laziness, right? We see it in Proverbs chapter 6, verses 10 through 11. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Proverbs is going to tell you, hey, work hard, make money, and it's going to rebuke laziness over and over and over. Laziness and saying, well, I don't, I, Tim, I, money isn't everything to me. Like, I don't do anything. I take a lot of naps. Like, you say, like, you're always talking about working 60 to 70 hours at the detriment of your family. Tim, I work 30, maybe. That's not the way of wisdom either with money. Come on, people. That's the way of folly. Scripture's going to tell us that clearly. Proverbs, the way of wisdom, the path of wisdom is going to make that plain to us. Proverbs 22, verse 29 says it this way. Do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. That money can make significant impact. Money can build schools. Money can raise up the next generation in education. Money can build hospitals. Money can provide technological and medical advancements that can heal diseases, that can feed the hungry, that can provide vaccines. Amen? That that comes from money. Money can make significant impact. It's good to work hard. It's good to build wealth. It's good to make money. It just doesn't stop with you. It's a river 
that's meant to flow through you. And that's what Proverbs calls us to. There's a way that money cannot be evil or, or everything, but it can be edifying. And so you need to hear today, nobody's calling you to come to the, just everybody take a deep breath. Nobody's calling you. The call to the action at the end of this message isn't going to be, everybody bring your wallets and purses down to the altar and let's burn them. Everybody take a deep breath. That's not happening today, right? God's not asking you. The the call to action, the application of this sermon isn't go home and empty out your bank account because money is evil or close up that Roth IRA because money is evil. That's not what scripture is saying to you. It's just saying, hey, money isn't everything. How do we make it edifying? How do we? I'm glad you asked, right? Here's, here's three guiding principles I want to give you with money. A friend of mine says it this way, a guy named Chad Moore. He says, if you look at scripture, the whole of scripture, and you talk about money, it primarily says this. It says, give first, save second, live on the rest. Give first, save second, live on the rest. He gets that from scripture. I'll just give you a, a couple. Proverbs 3, verse 9 through 10, it says this. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits, give first, of all your produce, Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. That sounds nice. (laughs) Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22 verse 9 says it this way. The generous will themselves be blessed. Scripture has set it up this way. We give first. We honor God. And then we're stewards of our money. We save, second, we live on the rest. We give first, that honors God. We save, second, that builds wealth. We, we live on the rest, that teaches us contentment. So just breaking those down briefly, we give first. This is something we have to be intentional about. And just to get super practical, I know in my life early on as a married couple, I was a pastor. And if you asked my wife and I, like, are you guys generous with your money? Are you like a river with your money, like blessing other people? We would have said yes, primarily because we thought we were nice people, right? Yeah, I think we're not hoarders with our money. We're not reckless like a tsunami with our money. We're nice people. And I remember looking at scripture and my wife and I finally said, okay, we got to get our mind wrapped around this. And we looked at scripture. We heard a sermon on, on giving and money and being a steward of money in, the, in our lives, And we just said, hey, we need to look at our bank account. We just need to scroll through that thing. Let me just tell you, I saw a lot lot of (laughs) Chick-fil-A. I saw a lot of Target. I didn't see a lot of generosity. I saw a lot of me and Jaya. And so we had to be intentional about this. And at that time, like 2009, we had to write a check. Go look it up on Google, people. We had to say, okay, the night before we came to church, we had to write the check out and put in the offering. Like I was a pastor and I just thought I was generous. Listen, here's the reality. Most people aren't, or most people are not generous, not because they don't want to be. It's because they assume that they already are. They just assume I'm a nice person. I love people. God, yeah, God, I worship God with my life. I got married in a church. I dedicated my baby. And so obviously my wallet's a part of all that. But the reality is you dedicated your baby. You dedicated your marriage. You never dedicated your wallet. And you just kind of thought you did because you're a nice person. And you were never intentional. You have to be intentional about this to give. To honor God with your wealth. To say, God, this... Everything is yours. 
Like my talent that helps me do my career, you gave that to me. Everything is yours. And we give 10% more, scripture will tell us, we give cheerfully, and we get to keep 90%. I mean, it's a crazy equation when you really think about it. It's all God's, and we want to be intentional about showing that and giving back to him. This is the way God has set it up. The scripture says you honor God with your wealth, then he will provide for you. And I remember there's several verses in the Bible that say that. I remember always picturing in that moment a TV evangelist that would say like, hey, you give us 500, we'll give you, or you'll get back 5,000. And I remember always thinking, hey, let's just flip that. You give me 500 and we'll just see what happens. (laughs) Maybe you'll get back 5,000, I don't know. But apparently it doesn't work that way, right? And I remember I always used to read verses and I would just think like that. That's not what scripture is saying. It's not saying you give and you get rich. It's saying you give, you honor God, and you choose to trust him with your money because it's part of your life. Just like you trust him with your baby on stage in a dedication. Just like you trust him with your married life when you get married in front of God and other people. You're choosing to trust God with your money. You are putting your wallet on the altar proverbially proverbially, and just saying, God, this is yours. This is all yours. I want to give it to you. And then I'm going to trust that you will take care of me. Listen, I've seen the reality of this. I've seen it with our church. Even recently, every Easter, we give all the money that comes in away. If you've been a part of our church, you know this. We give all the money on Easter away. So so here's what always happens. Some behind the scenes for you in the pastor's life is every Easter as we approach Easter, I always second guess that decision. Because I always look around and say, well, we're trying to hire a next generation pastor. We just hired an associate pastor. One day we want to own our own building. And, and, And even just this month, like we want to make budget. And we're probably not going to. Because typically, Easter usually falls in April. As as I look at the finances in our team in May, we look at the finances in April. It's always a little short because we gave all the money away on Easter. But we just got the finances back for April. This last week, if you have our app, you saw them. We always put that on there. And we just got that back. And not only did we meet budget in April, we exceeded budget in a good way in April. And we gave $16,000 away to Ohana in foster care and mentoring. Come on, yeah. Listen, listen. It's almost like God set it up this way. It's almost like he's just saying, Tim, you trust me with your life, your money. You trust me with the church's money. You model generosity. You trust me with your money. And I'm going to take care of you. Here's the the hard question today. I know this is uncomfortable. Do you believe that? Is one of the reasons you're not intentional about giving because you kind of doubt that? I don't know if God will take care of me. Do you believe that God is that good? That God has a better way of dealing with money than you do? Are you willing to trust him with your money and give? The second thing is we, we save. We save. Our culture will tell us, hey, Don't save and go down a path of wisdom. No, spend. Specifically, after midnight with three easy payments, typically. (laughs) That's that's the way of folly. That's the way of our culture with money. But the Bible in Proverbs is going to say, no, you you save. My wife is so uh, helpful with this because I just, I, I struggle with spreadsheets. 
Just a confession, I struggle with uh, planning out our money. And so my wife, what she will do and what she's done throughout the years is she'll just take money and put it in envelopes. And she won't even tell me, right? And so much so that when we moved to Phoenix seven years ago, we had this really big Bible. In this case, um, it wasn't an envelope. We had this really big Bible. And we're unpacking boxes. I pull out the Bible. And there are multiple $100 bills in this Bible that at some point my wife just put a bunch of $100 bills in a big fat Bible. And in some ways it was, really, it was really edifying to us because we just thought, okay, God, you did call us to Phoenix. This is a sign. Oh my gosh. But my wife had just saved money. So you need somebody like that in your life, a spouse, yourself, somebody else, Dave Ramsey. To sp- hey, don't, don't go the way of folly and spend everything. Save, save. The last thing is you want to live on the rest because that teaches contentment. Proverbs chapter 30 says it this way. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. Listen, enjoy where you are. Operate with what you have. Some of you, you're always looking for more and next. More money. That next promotion. More and next. Don't miss out on what you have. Don't miss out on the moment looking for more, right? Here's the reality is some of us say, God, God, why won't you give me this promotion? Why won't you give me this more money? And the reality is God is giving you something better than both of those things. He's giving you wisdom because the reality is if he gave you that promotion, if he gave you that money, you wouldn't be able to handle it right now in this stage of life. That promotion would cause a lot of stress. That bigger house would cause a lot of cleaning. (laughs) And if you're honest, you're like, man, if God did give that to me, I don't think I could handle it. So God's given you something better than more or next. He's given you his wisdom to say, no, 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 I have you right where I want you. Enjoy your life now. Enjoy the moment now. Live in contentment now. So these are just three principles. How do we make not money everything, but also not evil? We give first, we save second, we live on the rest. How are you doing that? How have, if you're just honest today, we can be honest in church, amen? If you're just honest, hey, hey, money, it's become, like if I could see the priorities, if I went through the checking account, like money has become everything, Not to be a blessing to others, to glorify God and to bring me joy, but it's become everything so I can hoard it, so I can be reckless with it. It's not a life-giving stream. It's a rancid pond. It's a tsunami in my life. And we just need to be honest today and have that uncomfortable conversation because here's what will happen. It inevitably happens for all of us. That crazy, like money can make you crazy, that eventually turns into clarity, but unfortunately, it usually happens at the end of life, right? Have you heard that testimony on somebody's deathbed? Hey, I wish I wouldn't have worked so much. I wish I would have just spent more time with my kids. Right? Hey, I wish my, we see those, those videos. We see those stories on TV about generous people at the end of their life. A funeral is massive because of all these people that have been impacted by that person's generosity. And we see that and we're like, yeah, that's the life I want. We get to the end of our life. Man, I wish I had that life marked by generosity and not by my toys. And eventually that crazy will turn into clarity. Don't wait till you're on your deathbed for that. 
God has you here today so you can start going down a trajectory of generosity. And money can be a blessing. And it may take an uncomfortable conversation for that to happen. Not just in this service, but it may take an uncomfortable conversation when you get home with your spouse, with your roommates, with your community group. Hey, guys, my money's a mess. Will you speak into this? Hey, our money is a couple... It's a mess. Let's, let's talk about this. Let's be uncomfortable for the sake of Christ. This week I was at my eye doctor getting some prescription checked for my glasses, and he was talking about whether to keep the prescription the same or make it stronger. And he, he said this. He said, Tim, sometimes the, the, the clearest vision isn't the most comfortable vision. And he actually said that'll preach. So shout out to Dr. Frank. It does, right? <laughs> I think one of the reasons why we're so uncomfortable talking about money in church is because we're seeing the Bible and we're seeing our money and the one moment where we see clearly is when we're looking at the Bible and our money together. It's uncomfortable. But that uncomfortableness, it brings clarity. It brings impact. It saves us from regret and destruction. Here's the last thing. Money isn't everything, money isn't evil, but money also isn't simply external. Matthew 6, verse 21 says it this way, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, money isn't simply about transactions, it's about treasure. It's about treasure. And what that scripture says, I don't know if you caught the sequence, your heart follows after treasure. That what you do with your money isn't separated from your relationship with God, isn't separated from your soul and your heart. It is directly connected. Your heart is following after how you spend your money. So if you spend all your money at Target, your heart gets connected to that. If you spend all your money at Chick-fil-A, your heart gets connected too closely to that chicken sandwich. (laughs) If If you spend all your money for yourself, out of greed for yourself. We gotta make sure we build this retirement's not bad, but all your efforts, all your striving, all your straining, all your stress goes toward yourself. Guess where your heart's gonna go? Towards yourself, not towards God or other people. But what happens? You alter that. Jesus talks about earthly treasure and heavenly treasure. You start putting that money towards God, towards the blessing of others, your heart follows that too. Your heart follows God. Your heart follows other people. Some of our relationships, like our relationship with God, your relationship with other people, it is hindered right now, and it's because of the way you're spending your money. And you're like, Tim, no, it's not affecting my relationship. That's a separate thing. No, your heart follows treasure. See, here's why we're having this conversation in church. Here's why you need to have it when you go home. is because we don't want to get to the end of our life and finally make that connection. Oh, my heart was following my treasure. You wanna make that connection now and start bringing your heart along to the treasure God has intended, that eternal treasure that lasts. You see that Milwaukee Marathon? Here's what they did. They were so nice to do this. They told the contestants in that marathon, Boston Marathon said, hey, if you wanna run the race again, you can. Now, I wouldn't be able to walk, much less run another marathon, right? but at least they got another shot. Here's the thing about life. You get one race. You get one shot. That's all you get. How are you using it? How are you using your money? 
How are you stewarding it? How are you giving God glory with it? How has it become a blessing? Money does not have to be a burden. It can be a blessing. It should not be so uncomfortable to talk about money in church. If Christians, just imagine this, if Christians were not only giving their their lives to God, their heart to God, but their wallet to God, imagine what kind of blessing would it be just to celebrate today. Hey, money's a blessing in my life, but it's also blessing the community around me for eternity. That could be our story with money. That could be your story with money, but you gotta have an honest conversation about it. You gotta be intentional with it. Give first, save second, live on the rest. Honor God with your money. Church, this is what I want for us. This is what I want for our community, for Phoenix Bible Church. This is the story that that I believe God is gonna write through us and our money, and it's gonna be glorious. It's gonna be a blessing and not a burden, amen? Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you that money can be a blessing. God, I thank you that it's a resource used to fuel your mission ultimately. And we get to be a part of that. God, what an honor it is that you would gift us with your resources, with your treasure, with your money, and allow us to use it for your glory. Allow us to experience joy from it. Allow us to, to bless others through it. To do things like partner with Ohana and foster care and mentoring and just give $16,000 away that's going to mentor kids for years and change the very trajectory of your life. I'm thankful for money. God, may we use it like that for your glory. May you help us as couples, as families, as roommates have an honest conversation, not just in this room, but as we leave this room that we might glorify you with our money, that we might declare in unison together, you are better. God, you are better. I wanna live my life striving and straining for your glory, for my joy, for the blessing of others around me. God, help us to live that way. It's in your beautiful name we pray.